Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, guys, welcome back to the Agent Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. I've got a great guest on today, Greg Moser. Greg, how's it going today? Good. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing pretty good. So uh, before we jumped on live, um, you know, we started kind of talking about, you know, some of the stuff that you did. And I said, hey, hold off. And um, if you have a second, can you give us kind of a little bit of a background about like how you got starting in real estate and then walk us through kind of bit by bit, like how you got to where you are today? Well, I first got my license when I was 18 in Ohio. So my my parents both were real estate agents. My grandpa was. So something I kind of grew up in. Yep. Um, and I remember when I got that then, you know, we're talking about investments. So I remember thinking, dang, I'd like to buy this house. I was in my local town. And at the time, it was like $30,000. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't we all like to do that again today, right? Oh, man. Crazy. That, was, that was forever ago. That was back in 1988. So, so I've been in real estate since. And I did the traditional real estate. And then back probably around 9-11, I decided to take the full plunge into um, just working straight up with investors. Yeah. And so that's what we do. And we, we service large investors around the country and been doing that since since pretty much 9-11 you know when 9-11 happened the phones kind of stopped ringing yeah it was pretty chaotic and i was like enough of this i'm just working with investors and and so that's what we started doing and then you know of course we've done stuff my wife's also a realtor and now my kids are getting to the age where they're they're taking classes now to to do the same so awesome so it's it's something that we enjoy. It's something that's kind of in our blood, and it's something we do on a we've done for years and years. So when you got into this in the late '80s, did you know, like out of the gate, when you were 18, that you not only wanted to, you know, sell houses, but also invest in real estate too? Um, you know, you look back. I think I had some ideas in my mind what I wanted to do. You know, so I I kind of knew that I would always go into real estate. But it's also one of those things when you're first getting into it, you think you're maybe like, I want to do other things because that's what my parents and everyone do. So maybe it's like, not so cool. Yep. And then, you know, but as you go along, you're like, man, I make really good money like doing this. So mm -hmm. as you, as you kind of go along, then you start looking at, cause you're always seeing investments. Like I said, right when I got my license, I remember looking at something thinking, wow, that'd be like a good, you know, I started doing the math. You know, if you, if you rent it for 400 a month, you know, you know, at the time and you start playing with those kind of things. It just made sense. So when would you say like you got involved with your first investment deal and what was that like? Um, it was a, it was a unique story. So I went, well, there was two within like eh, six months of each other. And the first one, we went to close on the house and the person buying the house, his husband had left at this point, I'm in Arizona, all right? So the person that was buying the house husband, they just split up and he went to Mexico. Mm -hmm. He never, they never officially got divorced. So she's in the middle of getting the loan 
And the lenders are like, hey, we got a problem here. We need this guy to sign off on it. <laughs> and she hadn't talked to him for 10 years. And so long story short, the deal blew up and my people were already, you know, they're already committed to doing other things. And I'm like, well, I can buy it, but you know, I don't really want to put the cash into it right now and do the loan. Can we just do a land contract? And so that's how I bought the first one. So I did a land contract, did it for a year. And then I just went and refinanced it and paid them off. And I remember they were like ecstatic that I helped them get out of the situation that we were in. And then within like around the same time, I walked into a house and the guy was like, it was a condo and it was like, it was kind of dumpy. And I remember like, he's like, have a seat. And I'm like, oh no, that's all right. I'll stand. Um, but he was like, if you can get me out of here for 50,000, I'll sign the papers tomorrow. And I'm like, well, you know, if we redo this house and it looks good, you can get 80, 90,000 for it. He's like, I need to be gone. If you can get me 50,000, I'm gone. And I said, I'll buy it. And so I bought it and I fixed it up and flipped it off. And I think I made like 15,000 on it or 20,000 on it. So those are like two really good examples. And so the one was a rental and the other one was a, it was a straight up flip. And yes. I was looking, I wasn't looking, keep in mind, I wasn't looking for either one. And I didn't want it because they were both like customers or potential customers. I didn't want to do something that was wrong. You know, I just didn't, that's just not the way I feel, but I was very straightforward with both of them. And it was a win-win situation. It really was in both scenarios. And it's so really happy too. We, we, we talk about that every week here on, on this show about like the fact that every agent should invest because you're going to come across deals, even if you're not looking for them. And you just talked about doing two deals where that was exactly the case. For the people who have never heard about, you know, what a land contract was or is, how exactly did you structure that? Like, what did that look like for the seller and for you? And why was that a win-win? You know, it's been so long, but I, knowing me, what it was, was I know I did it as a, as a, an option. So I did a, I did it where I'm paying a certain amount each month. Yep. And then I had an option to close on it. And it might've been two years. Knowing me, I would have probably given myself a couple years time frame. And I am trying to remember, I just can't, but it would have been like, you know, do one of those deals where you put a couple years on it and then you have that time to close within that time. Mm-hmm. Once I had gotten in, I had it rented. I was like, just go ref- just go finance it and be done with it. Yeah. And so I just did that. And then the flip one, I just paid him cash for that one. You know, on that one, I just paid him cash and we closed within like a week. Mm-hmm. And that's, that one's like a whole bunch of stories, you know, like I pulled the, cause I did a lot of the work myself on that one. Mm-hmm. You know, the first one, you want to do all the work cause you want to make as much as you can. Um, and I remember pulling the stove out and it was like at night. So I was over there like eight 30, nine o'clock at night and I'm pulling the stove out and like, cockroaches came running out from underneath the stove like from everywhere <laughs> yeah it would have been on video camera would have been a great because i'm dancing like running backwards like oh my god i mean there was hundreds of them but you know it's it's one of those where it was ugly but it's what you see you know it doesn't take much to redo the flooring paint the walls redo fixtures and that's what we did and we we flipped it I mean, and back then you didn't have to wait 90 days either. Yeah. See, that didn't take until like 10 years. Man, it's probably been about 15 now. I don't know. I mean, tell me, Tom, if, if I'm maybe 15 years ago, they enacted that. 
Yeah, it wasn't quite 15. I remember the date. Yeah. It wasn't quite 15. I know that because when I first started, it didn't exist. And and I first started in probably like 05, 06. It wasn't too long after though, was it? It wasn't too long after though. Yeah. yeah. It might have been like 08, 09, the date. I still think that's the dumbest rule, but whatever. But so that the deal then was, I mean, you wanted to get it done as soon as you could get it done and get it back up for sale. Yep. You know, but that was kind of the, you know, those were the first two that we did. And I would, you know, they weren't probably lower end housing condos, lower end neighborhoods. You know, they both made us money. And so, after, so after you did those first two deals, what was your mindset like? Were you thinking in your head, like, I want to push down the road of becoming more of an investor? Or were you just thinking, hey, I'm an agent. I make a money doing this. And if I come across these opportunities, I know how to capitalize on them. Um, it's always been like, that was my side hustle. You know, that's the term now. Yep. Um, it was always like, I'll run into these deals because I'm out there working, doing real estate stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I run across them, now we're at the point where we just, you know, grab them and, and go, you know, we're closing on a, uh, we're closing on a flip right now that closes on the 15th. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we're in Arizona. I think we made, I think we'll make like 50,000 on it. Yep. I mean, and it, but it took us, you know, there was a lot to do on that house. You know, it was ugly. And, you know, we're willing to take on stuff that maybe other guys aren't. We redid the electric. We redid the plumbing. We didn't have to touch the roof. Yeah. But pretty much about everything else we touched. So, um, so we kind of still like on flips, we try to do like one or two at a time, kind of stagger them and keep them going. Yep. Um, so that kind of a steady, and we have a crew that kind of continually does work for us on those. Mm-hmm. So we, we try to continually do one or two at a time. And then the other stuff, not, you know, if it comes into our lap, it comes into our lap and even flips, if they're not, if we're not going to make, we'll wait, we'll wait until we get the right deal. Right. Um, but we have, you know, we have with what we do, our business, we have good relationships with wholesalers. And so we're seeing stuff daily. We really don't have trouble finding something that we feel pretty comfortable with that we can make money on. And our, and our feeling is, is if we go to flip it and it doesn't go like we thought, we can always rent it out. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of our approach. Let's take a quick break from the episode. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And you mentioned kind of in the beginning of the, the conversation that, you know, right around the 9-11 time, you decided, like, I really don't want to work with traditional buyers and sellers anymore. What caused that? And then how did you pivot into working more on the investing side within your real estate business? Well, at that time, I was doing the, I would go to people's house and list their house. Mm-hmm. I was taught, my grandpa always said, listings are where it's at. You got to have listings. You're out of business if you don't have listings. And I found he was right because even if you're working with buyers, if you have listings, you can get buyers from your listings. So it's like, okay. So I was, you know, we were probably at the time I was doing like 50, 60 listings kind of continually. There was always 50, 60 active in MLS. Um, and we had built up a pretty good 
you know, we're getting listings pretty regularly. Around shortly after, right around that time, I was still getting listings from, can I say that? Yeah, I can say their name. At the time, it was a company called Aquin. And I don't even know if they're still around now. But yeah, long servicer, right? Yep. So what they did, what they were doing was foreclosures, though. And I was one of the people that listed the houses for VA, for their VA stuff. And they had some other guys, but it was mainly VA was their foreclosure that they helped move. And if I'm getting foreclosures, guess what I was seeing? Good deals. Yep. And so what I did was at the time I was doing a radio drive time talk show with a, a lender. And we were doing that, you know, twice a week on the radio. And I built up a good, a good, and I, you start going after, if you're looking for investors, you'll find investors. Mm -hmm. And so we started going after investors, um, built up a pretty good portfolio of investors. And then, you know, we're helping them find things as well as doing joint ventures and joint partnerships with them and buying stuff with them along the way as well. So, I mean, that's kind of where we transitioned because once I got to that point on 9-11, when I'm like, this is like, I had already started working towards getting investors. And then once that happened, I'm like, all right, I'm all in. I'm just going straight with the investors. How did 9-11 know like impact your business and like, what was the, what was the push that it, why did it push you in that direction at that time? Because the phone didn't ring for like two weeks. Yeah. I mean, literally it did not ring for two. I mean, if you're a realtor and you got 50 listings and your phone does not ring. Yeah. I mean, there's like, that's a talk about nervous. And I mean, the thing was, we were doing good. I mean, it wasn't like I was looking, you know, hand paycheck to paycheck, but you know, I said, okay, this is not a sustainable and I can't, I can't handle this. Oh, we don't like the house because it doesn't have, we don't like the paint color, you know, in the family room. I'm like, are you serious? We're not going to buy a house because of the paint color in the family room, you know, come yeah. on. and investors, they don't look at it that way. They're, you know, they're like, Hey, does this make sense? You know, what's the, what's the cap rate? And it, it doesn't make sense, you know? And so, you know, at that point I said, okay, I'm all in on this. It now's the time. And that's what we did. I wasn't sure either. I didn't know how the market was going to handle all that either. You know, what was going to happen was stuff going to be like fire. And that, that then happened in 2007, 2008. Yeah. But at the time you're like, okay, is the market going to continually, is it going to just go on a downward slope? And if it is, you know, I want to be a guy that's got a bunch of money buying that stuff. Yeah. And so that's where we started. It ended up not working out what I was worried was going to happen at the time. But then we built it up and we were already in, we're into this thing now. And then when 2007, 2008 hit, we, we were, we were in a great position then to go acquire properties for nothing at auctions because, you know, we had done what we did back in 2000, you know, two and 2003. So what did you change? Like, when you decided, hey, I want to work more with investors, what did you do in your business to make that shift? Um, just focused on, you know, we we're focused on finding those people. And then, you know, we we're focused on finding investment properties to sell, building up relationships with different wholesalers, um, getting things in a position that we we're able to acquire or sell properties, you know, for investors and, and go from there. Um at the time we were helping with getting 
them rented for people as well. So we, we had built out some, some tools that could help them with doing that. And we still do that to a degree with some customers. Um, most of our customer base now has their own, they have their own rental companies that do their own thing, but mm-hmm. you know, just kind of positioning to be able to help the investors with whatever it was and even getting lenders that could help with loans for investments. So everything was built around working with investors. You know, I, I, and, and I always, and even to this day, a lot of those guys, I kind of go, okay, if we're going to go with the approach that we're going to, if we're going to buy it to flip it, we also know that if we need to, if something turns on the market, if Russia invades Ukraine and the market just stops, okay, what can we do? We're going to put, we're going to put the thing up for rent and we'll rent it for two years until things settle down and go from there. Yeah. By market, you can't do that. With, at least you can't do it with single families. Um, I'm going to make the assumption you're talking about single families and condos yeah. and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I love the markets like yours where you can buy them, you can renovate them, and then you can rent them and still be profitable. So I think, you know, yeah. that's another big not, thing. At least not get your teeth kicked in so bad. Yeah, you know. well, well, here, say, say in Boston, the average single family is probably like 6,000. Uh, 600,000. And then you're, you probably rent it for like 2,500. So you get clobbered on that model here. Do you have rent restrictions in Boston? Not yet. They're, they're, uh, unfortunately they're talking about them again. I don't know if it's coming down the pike or not, but I'm fingers crossed. It doesn't. Cause obviously that just, you know, manipulates the market, you know, getting back to, to your story. So you focused on finding investors, finding investment deals, and obviously, um, even some of the property management to help those people get off the ground. Now, how has your business evolved kind of since then, since the early 2000s? So then around 2011 is when it really took a big change. So the market was in the, I mean, it, 2000, yeah, it was probably 2009. The market was in the toilet. And in Arizona, they were doing what they called, you know, apartment conversions, condo conversions. And what they're doing was what was they were taking condos or they were taking apartments and converting them into condominiums. Yep. And some big money was behind on that. And I was working with a couple guys that had gotten themselves halfway into selling them as condos. And I took my group of investors and said, Hey, we negotiated a really good deal to buy these properties. We can get them. So we went into a couple complexes that had, 75 100 units um we sold them to our investors as you know individually they weren't buying like all 100 or 75 but we ended up buying 100 units or 75 units and so we were helping them get we we're kind of treating it as as if we were one big company we negotiated a really good deal to help get those properties and then you know we were going in and buying it well some of those guys that were in there at that point, then some institutional guys started to be formed. And, you know, of course, the guys that I helped there then became vice presidents and presidents of some of these big institutional guys. And they're like, hey, if we want to move stuff, you know, Greg Moser's like, his group's good. Mm-hmm. So we started then at that point, that's just basically how it worked. We, we started helping them with acquisitions and stuff that they were doing. And for the last eh, 
eight to 10 years. That's pretty much what we've been doing is helping these institutional guys get their investment properties as our, as our core business. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. And, you know, we'll buy 3000 homes, you know, we'll help, we'll get 3000 homes this year nationwide. Yeah. So, I mean, so, you know, and we're in all the big markets. We're not actually, they're not doing much in Boston. And I it think it's just what you're saying. You're, they're not getting the return there. You can't, you can't get the, re- so, so I'm sure you're, you're probably not in San Diego. You're not in Boston. You're not in, you know, a lot of California, like, no. what, what, what and, market- it, and it also goes to, and I don't want to get political, but it really does go to. It's just as simple as like, how easy is it to be a landlord in the state? And um, yeah, I mean, you know, for, for a landlord, you want to be in a state where if someone's not paying you, you can get them fairly, out. <laughs> fairly easy to get them out. I mean, it's not a, it's not a complicated thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, um, so we're in like, so what we're saying is they were in California for a long time. Oh, okay. Chicago for a long time, but they, I mean, even some of these cities got so ridiculous. It was like, they were the requirements that, you know, they sell, send some inspector in and he like stops a rental. I'm not dealing with it directly, but you know, Oh, your smoke detector is not six inches off the wall. Yeah. So like, we're going to st- you can't rent it until we come back and reinspect it. Well, you, you, and then, well, when can you come back? I can do it like right now. Nope. Can't do it right now. You got to come back. Okay. We'll schedule you next week. I mean, like that doesn't even make common sense, but that's what they deal with. So they're like, you know what? Forget it. We're just going to sell everything there and you guys can deal with it yourself. So like Chicago, they got out, they're out. Um, California, they've held because it's still doing good property value, but they don't, they're not buying anything there. They're not buying anything in Washington anymore. Yeah. Still buying in Colorado, but not nearly as much. But we're heavily buying in Texas, Arizona, Florida. I mean, go figure. Yeah. Uh, Alabama, North Carolina. Um, you know, there's 20 some different markets. Yeah, and I think I think that's like that we're kind of doing stuff in. Yeah. If you're somebody who's a newer investor, you know, one of the first things that you need to think about is like, where am I going to invest? Yeah. And in an ideal world. <laughs> you would be able to invest in your backyard because you're going to know your backyard the best. Yeah. And you can definitely invest and make money in any state, whether it's, you know, you're going to be a landlord or flip houses, like you can make money in every state, but there are definitely some areas where it's easier. And um, so it's just, you know, something else to kind of consider. Yeah. Um, and I, I've gotten to that where we'll do stuff in other states, but I still, it's just something in my gut. I like to be closer to what I'm dealing with, at least if I get in big time. Or it depends on what I'm doing. If I'm keeping it as a rental, I really don't like having stuff out of state. And I have licenses in multiple states. So like I'm in Texas a lot. We do a lot there. Um, I have a place in Texas when I'm there. So it's not, you know, that one I feel more comfortable with. But if like we're going to do something in Georgia, uh I'm a little hesitant just because I'm not there. I don't know all the things going on and I have people there and I trust them, but it's still my money. Yeah. Know? It's, it's tough. I mean, um, I can say that, you know, I've, I've probably flipped like a little bit over a thousand homes and the, the ones I lose money on, it's always the area that I don't know that great. That you're like, eh. yeah, uh, well, maybe I think I know, but I really don't know that area. And that, that goes even for me being able to drive somewhere. So never mind going to another state where, you know, there's, there's different laws, there's different rules, there's different, 
uh, people, there's different everything. So is that so, your main business? Like, do you guys do, how many do you do at a time on flips? We will usually carry between 30 and 50 at a time. Yeah. And so we, we also have a brokerage um, and we've got, you know, a rental portfolio as well. Yeah. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you, cause I think you, you really grew up in a real estate family. Yeah. So did your, did your family, uh, well, did your parents who were in the business or um, whoever was in the business within your family, were they investing as well or were they just selling? No, they were investing. So okay. um, I think they didn't have like what you got, but they had, a, at one point, I think they had 15, 16 rentals. Okay. And I remember in my teens, and this is in Ohio, okay? So like these houses were built, geez, you know, there's some houses that had been built in the early 1900s. I think most of what they had had been post-World War II homes, you know, guys that came home from the war. Yep. Built. So I think those were mostly 1950s. If I, I'd have to go look, but I think late 40s, early 50s was most of their houses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember one time we were standing there and I think I was like 17, 18 and we're at, we're at the real estate office and my mom was on the phone and my, me and my dad were like, just standing there. And she's like, yeah, we'll, we'll take it. And we we're like, my dad's like, take what? Oh yeah. We just bought a house, you know? And he was like, what the, what the heck are you doing? But it was one of those where the church, it was in a neighborhood that they had already owned. They had two or three houses on the street and the church had been given a house and they didn't want the house. Yep. So they just wanted to sell it. And they were like, Hey, will you take, will you buy it for 15,000? And she was like, yeah, we'll, t- <laughs> we'll take it. But after we found out what she paid for, we're like, yeah, that was goodbye. You know? Okay. But so, yeah, that was like, that was the world I grew up in. You know, the people move out and you got to go clean up the house. That's what I would do one summer through my teen years. Nice. You know, go clean up the house that they had left all their junk in. So what would you say to the agent who's just working with buyers and sellers and doesn't have any sort of like investment tie-in? Like how, how did it change your business? And what would you say to the person who, who doesn't have any sort of investment tie-in either for themselves or working with investors? Uh, I think you got to at some point have some investors, you know, because you're going to run into stuff. You're going to run into stuff and you can either help get it. Or if you're not getting it for yourself, you got to have like a handful of guys that you can call up and say, Hey, I got a deal. Or I saw a deal today when we were going through houses. Do you want it? And it might not be as much today because it's such a strong seller's market, but that's going to change. It's not always going to be like this. I don't care what they tell you when interest rates go up, it's going to slow down. Um, with that being said, I think, you, you know, my experience is you have to, even when I was just doing that, you have to have a group of guys that you can call up and say, Hey, this house needs work, but if you can go put 2025 into it, it's a nice rental or you can flip it or whatever, because you're going to run into those houses where the people don't have the money to re-put the carpet in the dog peed all over it and they do the best they can, but it's just not really ready for moving. And, you know, but they got to sell the house, you know, you're kind of doing your, you're not doing your customer service by having somebody that you can call and help move something. Um, so I, I, I feel no matter what, you got to have some people in your pipeline that you can help move things to. Yeah. I think that's one thing that 
we always talk about, like a lot of times, I think when people think about investing or investors, they think for some reason that someone's going out there and just like stealing a house from somebody. Yeah. And it's because they haven't seen it. So they don't understand it. They may see an investor get a great price, but they don't see the conditions. I just want 50,000. We're out of here. I mean, yeah, he and I, this was our conversation. I said, okay, like I can buy this like now, but you understand if we could clean this place up, I'm like, you got to clean this up. He's like, I know. I go, if we can clean this place up and, you know, maybe if you can maybe put a couple thousand into it, you can get another 15, $20,000 out of it. And he's like, nope, I need to be gone as soon as possible. I want it gone. You know, we had that conversation. It was like, I wasn't cheating him. I wasn't trying to pull the wool over his eyes. And uh, because it was something I went out on the listing for, but he was ecstatic. He was like happy. And, and, and that's, the, that's the part that I think a lot of people just don't see that conversation. Not that you're you're pushing them one way or the other, but I was kind of though at that one. Well, I, I think scared, you know, Tom. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I was like, I don't want to be looked at as somebody that's trying to pull one on this guy. Well, I think what hap- I think what happens, and this happens to me sometimes, is like you put yourself in that person's shoes and you're like, if I was this person, I would put the two thousand in. Yep. And I would sell it for more. Yeah. But I, I think the part that like can be difficult sometimes to understand is like someone's in a different situation than you and they make a different choice. And that choice, it may not be what you would do, but it's the right choice for that person at that time. And, you know, there's, there's been plenty of houses that we've bought where, you know, sometimes even they can sell as is for more, but because of reason X, Y, Z, they don't want it. If you're an agent that doesn't have the ability to either buy it yourself or an investor, then they're just going to find somebody else. So you lose the listing and you lose the deal because you're trying to like force something. But um, all right, Craig, um, I want to thank you for, for coming on. I've got a, a hard stop right now. Okay. Um, but how can people, you know, if they want to learn more about your group or more about you, what's the best way for them to either reach out to you or find more information about you? Um, I think if you Google me, I'm pretty well on there. I have a kid that's like going for cybersecurity. He said, wow, you're all over the internet, dad. And I'm like, and I, I keep intending to Google, but I don't, I haven't done it. <laughs> You've never Googled yourself. I haven't. I, you know, I'm going to do it when we get off the phone here now, because I think about it and then I don't Let do me it. see. I'll tell you right now. You, you come right, you do come right up. Okay. But I, I think if they want to email me, that'd probably be the best way. I, you know, I'm always open to helping people in the industry. Yeah. Um, if they want to email me, they can just email me direct. It's Greg Moser Houses. And that's my that's my direct email. I have other emails, but they all kind of but Greg Moser Houses at gmail.com. Yeah, you're in you're in a New York weekly business publication. So okay, yeah. So <laughs> um, cool. but yeah, we I mean we do a lot. So you know, we're out there, but if you want to email me, that's probably the best way. And then if it's something that Maybe I can jump on the call with somebody. I'm more than happy. You know, I'm like, I get it. But we all have to start from somewhere. I had people that I could go to and learn from. Yeah. And you you gotta be willing to do that for people. Now, if you're doing stuff in Arizona or Texas, I might be less less likely to tell you as much. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it is what it is. It's all good. So all right, Greg. Well, I appreciate you coming on, sharing the knowledge and obviously your contact information too. And um, guys, we'll be back um, next week with another episode of the Agent Investor Podcast. And uh, we'll see you next week. 
Thanks for listening to Agent Investor, and especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.